Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 16th episode of the Triborough Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Alonzo. I'm joined by Nicholas O'Brien, as always. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice, for once, we have friends and we're not alone. We are joined by Will Talon and Andrew. I'm sorry, I forget your last name because I just met you of the Free Baseball Podcast. And give it up to you guys. What's going on, Triborough Podcast? The Free Baseball Pod, we're collabing. This has been in the works for a little bit. Talk ball with you guys. I've seen a little bit of your stuff. Um, you guys have some great takes. I, I can't wait to unpack all Yankees, Mets, whatever we're going to do. It's exciting. It's baseball. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. You know, me and Will, usually we're on this type of platform talking about all types of baseball, but we talk a lot of Yankees on our own. And also, we follow the Mets a lot, obviously, because they're one of the top teams in baseball, so I'm very high on them. They're still relevant. But they look good this week, so I'm they excited. Did. They did. And this podcast was only possible by the networking opportunity by, by the St. Joseph Regional High School. Shout out to the best high school on the planet. Um, and, yeah, we'll just get into it. See you guys in – where are we going, Nick? We are going to the Bronx. First. The Bronx? Okay. See you guys there. Now entering the Bronx. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bronx. If you skip the intro because you're a little baby back bitch, we have friends. Um, just started off as always. The injury update brought to you by the Triber OMD, and I unplugged my headphones. Good job. Sorry about that. Um, so starting off, Luis Severino uh, had a rehab start. I think it was yesterday. He'll be activated on Sunday and will start against Cincinnati Reds. Absolutely huge. I'll get into it later. I have a lot of points on why, how him coming back affects like a lot of different things with the pitching staff. Um, Carlos Rodon has been throwing the last couple of days. He does not need a second court zone shot, which is pretty big news because he got one. They said you don't know for sure with the quarter zone shot, if you get the area until you just pitch. So they had like a second schedule, just like rather have it scheduled than not need it. They didn't need it, so they canceled it. Um, Stanton will begin a rehab assignment shortly. And Josh Donaldson decided to cut his thumb open, and now he's pushed back. So he's now on the same timeline as Stanton. Do you guys know the story? It was like he's playing with his daughter, and he was like lifting something. That's like all I didn't hear about this. It's the first time I'm hearing about this. Yeah, no, it was something like he was playing with his daughter and like he was like building a dollhouse or something and he like sliced his thumb open so it pushed him back a couple of days. Oh my god, it sounds like a Jabba incident. Yeah, oh my god, years ago, years ago, years ago. Donaldson might just become the new Ellsbury. I'm I'm not complaining. (laughs) I am not nothing against the guy, not complaining. Um. Jose Trevino was put on the 10-day IL with a hamstring strain. That was kind of, like, random. I did not expect that. Um, Ian Hamilton is expected to miss four weeks because Domingo Herman is a horrible person. Um, Tommy Canely has started a rehab assignment today. He pitched, I think, an inning and a third. He's going to then pitch again on Sunday, and then he will be on AAA on Thursday. You would think maybe one more rehab start, if that, coming back. Um you guys may know more about that because I know, like, Willie, you played baseball. I don't know about you, Andrew, but 
tendons, Justin, honestly. He had, what, bicep tendonitis? Not fun. Um, definitely not fun. I, I think they have to be very cautious with him. Mm. Um, just, you know, they don't you don't want to rush him back because this bullpen is already so depleted depleted as it is with no. Hamilton going down with a groin strain for over it's gonna it's gonna be over a month so mm. you know there's no need to rush Canely back but yeah I would say yeah. maybe one or two at the most and then we mm. could see Canely back in the Bronx. Yeah, no, I have or like I had bicep tendonitis. It was it's not fun, guys. Like yeah. if you've ever had if you've never had tendonitis, it's one of those things like almost like oblique level where if you don't get rid of it 100%, it's just going to keep nagging you, nagging you, nagging you. So hopefully he's fine, and or like he, he won't get hurt, and we'll have him in the bullpen. Um, that's all I got for the injury update. Then for the game recap, for one of the wildest four-game series, especially just like the first two games could have been a movie themselves. So game one was Joni Brito versus Alec Manoa. Um... Well, Joni Brito was the, like, Jimmy Cordero oh. was the starter, but he was just the yeah. opener. Brito was the bulk guy. Top of the first, uh, Judge hits a solo home run. That time, he was looking at Manoa. Um, Willie Calhoun ends up hitting a two-run home run to make it 3-0. Then, top of the fourth, Higgy single knocks in Volpe. Judge walks for the base loaded to make it 5-0. Top of the sixth, Rizzo double knocks in Bowers, makes it 6-0. Top of the eighth is where it starts to get interesting. Aaron Boone gets ejected for arguing a low strike call on Judge, which was just, like, in the dirt. Like, that was a horrible call. And then Aaron Judge um, just closes his eyes, hits a home run. There was nothing wrong with his eyes in that bat. Um, then in the bottom of the eighth, Whit Merrifield, RBI single to make it 7-1. Springer, fielder's choice, 7-2. Bichette, RBI single, 7-3. Vladdy double, 7-4. King comes in, ends up getting lost out, and then closes the game out. Uh, Rito went five and a third innings, six hits, four runs. One or, only one of them was earned. Uh, zero walks, two strikeouts. Manoa went four innings pitched, six hits, five earned runs, seven walks, and three strikeouts. I think Brito pitched a lot better than his run showed. I didn't even know one. only one of them was earned. I thought all four of them were earned, but I definitely – he looked significantly better with an opener. Definitely. I I mean, I feel like the Rays, who we'll talk about in a few, kind of opened up baseball to this whole idea of openers and bulk guys. And honestly, being the bulk guy might just be Brito's yeah. calling. We talked about it last week about how like he was absolutely horrible in the first inning, but then like once he like got settled in, he was good. And we didn't know if it was a thing of, like, does he need to settle in? Like, is it the first inning? At a nine, or is it the first inning he comes in? So maybe it's the first inning he comes in. I mean, hopefully. It worked. Duh. I think um, he definitely looks very much more comfortable in that position. Uh, I definitely would expect Aaron Boone to go down that route the next time that Burrito's due to throw because of how effective it was. Uh, I definitely really enjoyed watching him in that. In that role, I enjoyed watching him as a starter, but once he started to really have trouble in the first inning, kind of like James Paxton did a few years ago, um, it's never a recipe for success. If you can't get out of the first inning, you are already starting off on the wrong foot. So maybe that bulk role, kind of like what Michael King had too a couple years ago, he kind of had a bulk role 
and look what look at what he turned into. Yeah. So you know, um, I I credit Boone and their staff for being very creative in this mm. certain situation, especially with how handcuffed not only starters are, but the whole bullpen at the whole pitching staff in general yeah. is just tied down with just a bunch of injuries and missing pieces for whatever reason. Mm. So um, I definitely would expect Boone to throw Brito in yeah. as a bulk guy for his next time around. I agree. I think he could have yeah. gone longer. I was just going to say, I think he could have gone longer too. It kind of just like shaky defense. Some hits like leak through. He may have even gone like six innings, which would have got him to what? The the Yankees to the eighth inning, ninth inning, which mm-hmm. would, with two pitchers yes. to bleed the bullpen. But sorry for cutting you off. Yeah, no, I was going to say like, it's, it's not really like a too much of a like dent in Rito's career as he's like he was kind of rushed into this rotation mm-hmm. for the injuries. So like using him as a reliever for the rest of this year doesn't really cons- give me like too many concerns. Mm-hmm. I still think what we've seen from Brito, especially from his first like two three starts, that he definitely has potential to be a starter, possibly mm-hmm. for the Yankees in the future. And like yeah, like we said, Michael Michael King, like he dealt with those first inning issues when he first came up as a starter. So who knows? Maybe Brito just meant to be a two, yeah. There's, three there's, there's, or there's some guys. One like... concern with that, though. I have one concern. Not he wasn't a top top prospect, but he was up there. He was definitely up there. I want him to turn into this Clark Schmidt kind of role. Johnny Brito's already 25. Clark Schmidt is 27. The first round pick. This guy should have been a starting pitcher. He's have done to Clark Schmidt is just unacceptable for a first round pick for yeah. anybody that has had the kind of, um, I you can say that Clark Schmidt had had in the farm system. You need to pick a lane. Yeah. You need to pick a lane. And right now it's early for Brito, so it's okay. But this just had has kind of a deja vu effect to in with these top arms. Are they going to be relievers or are they going to be starters? I feel like, like the Yankees never know what to do with that. Like how like Sevy, they they're always almost, mixing and they matching, almost did the which same thing fine, with Sevy but... too. Where like yeah. he started as a reliever, then became a starter. So hopefully they just like decide. Like I, I didn't even Schmidt, think about that. It's like but... it's been this three year thing. You yeah. know, it's like he's either the fifth starter, the fourth starter, the sixth to seventh inning guy, the eighth inning. Like he, this guy has a whole bunch of roles on this team. We have never really seen what he can fully do. We've mm. seen flashes, but give a specific role. And I think that Clark Schmidt could be really, really effective. And Johnny Brito, the same way. We've seen the stuff. We've yeah. all seen the stuff that he has. So give him a specific role. Try this out again. If this is the role, then stick mm. with it. I like Clark as like a 2-3 inning guy. I think his stuff is like perfect for that. But... But the rotation to make a spot start mm. after like i don't know a stretch of let's just say five to seven games of doing double that header two or three something like that. It, it's just like what what are you doing to this guy's arm like mm. that's different that's a different kind of preparation per game if you're prepping for a start it's different than being ready to be ready when you mm. get the call in the bullpen it's just different yeah and yeah, no it just feels like the Yankees are always like you said will always putting clark schmidt in the worst possible situations. Like, he, his development was going great. He was a top prospect, and then he kind of got called up when, like, the rotation was kind of full, so they had to throw him in the bullpen. 
and not really give him like those that full leash as a starter. And now it's like they're finally giving him a full leash as a starter, but they already kind of committed to giving him that bullpen role. So his confidence as a starter was already kind of hurt because he kind of like committed. Like they put him into the ninth inning of a playoff game against the Guardians that with was... runners. Not even giving him a clean inning. Like they just. I, I agree, like, Clark definitely hasn't performed, but Yankees... How really much has his, that. like, fault? Definitely. It messes with development. I mean, especially if someone as young as Brito, that you... I, I love what you said about they need to pick a lane, because that's honestly the perfect way to say it. Because with a guy so young, what, he's 23? Something like that. 25. Like, no, see, Brito's 25. He's 25? Shit, All right. It was the same way. That's why okay. That's why I'm raising this concern. Yeah. yeah. He has less time to, like, decide a lane. Because he's even right. older than what Clark was. So he has to right. decide right. it 23 or 24. Than, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, so from a de- developmental standpoint, they really just need to, like, sit down and say, like, hey, this is what you're going to do. Because, like you said, it's completely different preparations day in, day out. Hmm. Clark Schmidt was, let me get it, 24, 24 years old when he made his debut. Okay, so yeah. It's, so it's just, I that to be Brito's story. And unfortunately, it's been like that for Clark. And I that ninth inning against the Guardians, uh, game three. Yeah, it was game three, right? Of yeah, because the they went down 1-2. And then Cole won had the that huge two, game. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then they won game five. Uh, Clark Schmidt really didn't look that bad in that game it, that game i'm not going to dwell on that game but that game reason they lost that game was the pitch calling so that was that that killed clark schmidt's confidence because they oscar gonzalez the same pitch three times in a row and then they give up a base hit to lose the game and then almost put their season on in jeopardy they were almost eliminated from that so they, they, the teetering with clark schmidt you know like you said drew they didn't give him a clean inning and he still threw effective pitches but <laughs> the same pitch to a major league hitter three times in a row eventually you know yeah. they're gonna pick up on it you so throw a slider six times in a row to aaron judge he doesn't have to look over to the dugout to know it's gonna be a slider especially when you throw it right over them exactly um yeah you guys got anything more on that on the no. judge stuff, or well, no, I was gonna go into game two, like more like the Clark stuff, and oh, okay, all right, yeah, you... oh, all right. So game two was Domingo Herman versus Kevin Gosman, um, top of the third, Glaber RBI single to make it one nothing, and then Bader had an RBI ground out, um, but it was only two outs. The runner ended up scoring, but then Glaber also got thrown out at third. You saw a lot of weird stuff from Glaber this uh, series, a lot of weird defense, a lot of weird. Uh, plays on the bases just gotta clean that up um then bottom of the fourth is when it started getting interesting well let me preface so last the night before this game the blue Jays sent a memo message they sent something into mlb saying how the yankees um base coaches were not in the designated boxes and were complaining and then oh what's what's his name the mets old manager Luis Rojas. Oh, Luis Rojas. Um, yeah. And then Luis Rojas was, like, barely out of it. So um, the Blue Jays manager called them out, made a whole fuss of it, made the umpire stop the game just to make him get back in the box. And then half an inning later, the Blue Jays coaches are doing the same exact thing. So Boone starts doing it, telling them to get back in the, 
get back in their boxes. And then you get to the bottom of the fourth, Domingo Herman does not start the inning because he gets ejected for having the stickiest hands the umpire has ever seen. Dude, I've heard this one before. Pick your shit up. <laughs> like, I made the joke that if I'm Domingo Herman or Clark Schmidt, I am cheating my ass off so I, until I get caught so that I could help this team because I know I can't other than that. But I was kidding. I wasn't being serious. Like, <laughs> that, that, and that's, it's his second time. Dude, that's Domingo a, too. Yeah. Like, how much slack or like he was pitching well but it's also a thing how much slack are you going to give a guy that has horrible off the field stuff then on the field he can't stop getting in trouble like right. let me there's one stat if i could find it i may have just forgot yeah whatever let me let me say something real quick though jose trevino was on the foul territory podcast today with mm. aj Pruszynski and um scott braun i don't know if you guys saw this no and he said that's ken rosenthal's right no it's scott braun's oh, okay Scott Braun, AJ Pruszynski, uh, Eric Kratz is on that too, I think. Oh. Um, they said, or Trevino said that it was chewing tobacco and that baseball players would understand. So I, I saw that too. Where like you know, the th- how people were saying the I, thing on his pants was like terrible. Right. Like you it, literally see him take dip out of his mouth and then like wipe it off on his pants. Right, and, and the whole thing with rosin and sweat. Major League Baseball needs to do a better job of training their umpires in identifying what is actually a substance and not. Because Max Scherzer shouldn't have gotten suspended. If this was Domingo, Herman, and Sweat and Rosin, then Herman should not have gotten suspended. They need to do – if they're going to enforce the sticky substance substance ban like they've been doing – then they need to educate their umpires on what it is. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not trying to defend the umpires. I'm just saying, if you're going to throw out suspensions to people, and umpires are going to eject players, they need to know the difference. And that's on Major League Baseball to help these umpires understand that. Because if Major League Baseball is going to enforce these rules, then they need to know what is going on, and that, that's just not the case. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It's the same umpire. It's Phil Cuzzy every time. Hector Santiago, Max Scherzer, Domingo. He's he's the one you need to train. Just Focus the guy. On yeah. Yeah. So and there, it's, there you go. Someone needs to enlighten Phil Cuzzy. It's a very – Or um, fire him. You know, it's a common thing. There, there's, there are multiple videos on it how, like, sweat and rosin – and literally make a baseball stay in your hand if you held it like this. How David so, Cohen right. was literally doing the science experiments on the ESPN broadcast. Right. It, yeah. It, it, come on now. And like also, I, I, it, it comes down to the policy in general. It's it's extremely vague, and it leaves so much room for a subjective call. It's it's relying way too much on what the umpire thinks is too sticky. That right. I think that's where that's where the issue starts. No. Exactly. I, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with and that. And also the fact how, like, for one guy, he may only need, like, a little bit, and another guy may need to, like, douse both of his hands in it. But how, if you're going to let one guy use a certain amount because that makes it more effective for him, but you're not going to let it use the other guy, that's also another gray area. And also how, with the summer coming up, doesn't rosin even get even stickier the hotter it is out so now is it gonna be a thing you're telling them that the entire year okay you could use this much this much this much yeah you've been using the same exact amount no now you're gonna get ejected so it's like you can't quantify stickiness like are you gonna get like 
a maple leaf or something and like how do like how do you quantify stickiness exactly that's the issue you can't you can't it's all dependent on what the umpire thinks which is totally totally not what it should be yeah I mean, while we're on the topic of LMB and how they manage their sticky stuff umpires, I will give them a little bit of credit because I saw a tweet the other day that they've only LMB has only let Angel Hernandez umpire one game this whole season. So credit to them. Yeah, <laughs> good job. I didn't there. know that. I did not hear about that. Yeah, that's just found out about that like two days ago. Hmm. Huge, huge for baseball. Damn, wow. Rob Manford finally <laughs> did something. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well. Back to the baseball game. Um, yeah. <laughs> top of the fifth, IKF um, hit a home run somehow. He has five home runs as a Yankee. Two of them are off Kevin Gosman. What a beast. Dude, what a beast. beast. Bottom of the f- yeah, I think it's like three are against the AL East, too. I know one was... Wait, it was either... It was he had either, a grand slam last year, I remember. Yeah, who was that against? Was that the Boston one? Please? The Boston one, I don't think was a Grand Slam, but I think he had a Grand Slam against like, the Twins or something. Okay. Oh, yes, it was two were against the Twins, and then the other three were against the AL East. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, so then bottom of the fifth, Kevin Kiermeyer home run. I hate Kevin Kiermeyer. Bo Bichette double to make it 3-2. Then Vladdy ties it up with an RBI single. Then the top of the eighth, uh, Glaber bunted, which was like, I like that, but I just did not expect that. Um, then Aaron Judge hit a moonshot that broke a maple leaf to give the Yankees a 5-3 lead. I thought that was just the most symbolic home run of all time. I thought that was, was hilarious. Really funny. Um, and then having to see, like, the guy on the broadcast, like, trying to fix it with, like, a screwdriver was just so funny. Um, then, and then the cold the eye, Sully. Yeah. I loved that, by that the was- way. <laughs> I'm all for, like, the, the petty shit. I Especially love Especially with that. Judge, where, like, you never see mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. I got a point on that. Um, top of the ninth, IKF double, Glaber sack fly. That's about it. 6-3. Wandy ends up closing it out. Herman went three perfect innings with two strikeouts. Gosman went seven innings pitched, five hits, three runs. Only two of them were earned. Two walks, ten strikeouts. That's like the most Kevin Gosman line against the Yankees I've seen. Like, it's always ten plus strikeouts. You may get a home run or two in there. But you're not lighting him up as the Yankees. So it can't hit his splitter. His splitters cannot do it. I don't know why more guys don't throw split. More guys don't throw splitters because it has extreme stress on your elbow. Okay. It terrorize. That's what happened to Tanaka. Okay. Through that splitter, is what happens is like you split these two fingers and your ulna collateral ligament. UCL. uh, Yeah. Exactly is just the stress on that ligament is emphasized the more you spread your fingers out on the ball. So Gosman grips it more like a changeup, but it has that that split finger action to it. Okay. Tanaka and Kodai Sanga, they go like as far as they can go. Yeah. My high school my high school baseball coach used to tell us that was his pitch. And what he would do is that he would put a softball in between his two fingers and make it like as wide as possible so you can get as much split as possible. It's just so if you don't train it, if you don't train to throw that pitch correctly, it's just it's not it's not good. But it's become such a prominent pitch that they've in uh, baseball has just adopted it and it's 
it's it's lethal as, as long yeah. as you can stay healthy while throwing it. Yeah, I mean, especially in Japan, like you mentioned, yeah. like that's like their know, bread and butter. Yeah, you Darvish throws it, uh, Tanaka throws it. That's essentially their changeup, right? It. Like, yeah, they. I I just feel like over in Japan, all of the pitchers over there and just the athletes in general, just I think their bodies are just more in tune for that kind of stress. Well, it's also a smaller like ball, right? I think it's a slightly, slightly smaller. Yeah. Okay. Slightly, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you you look at it like I, I have a ball right here. Like th- this hurts. Oh. Like, yeah. Like putting it in between oh. like that, like and to have the amount of stress like between the ball to actually be able to throw it and put spin on it. Like just holding like this is killing me. And you and guys what, like. like don't know nick he has fucking massive hands he has like these <laughs> just ginormous glove hands. yeah no and for it to be like that with him that's sense something. right yeah. yeah it's a it's a dangerous pitch but gosman he i i saw something on it when he was with the giants because that's when he really started like incorporating that pitch more he grips it more like a changeup. definitely more like a changeup. but the, and that's why he hasn't had like as many problems as mm. many pitchers do have uh there's just he uses more fingers the more fingers you use the less likely you're you're uh susceptible okay. to injury yeah no the yankees also like prior to the series they struggled a lot with manoa's change up mm. yeah i'm surprised like i know manoa's like struggled but i'm still surprised that they hit him just because like historically he just owns us and i know he had the seven scoreless in the bronx earlier was that that game you were dealt did they win that game they won that was the dj walk-off dj walk-off yes yes Mm -hmm. gotcha yes oh that was the danny jansen yep yeah speaking Speaking of danny jansen game three Garrett Cole versus Chris Bassett. Bottom of the 10th inning. Danny Jansen, three-run home run off Wandy. I will give Wandy a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Danny Jansen kills the Yankees, and Wandy has given up two home runs this year. Both of them were to Danny Jansen. So it could just be one of those things that, like, for whatever reason, this bum backup catcher just owns Wandy. It's that's his number. That, it's... I feel like that's on. That's where he always hits homers against Yankees. They were showing a thing of like on the Yes booth that he was hitting like 300 with like a 990 OPS against the Yankees. Then versus like the rest of the league, he was hitting like 210 with like a 550 OPS. So it's like, come on, man. Just one of those. There's always. There's always. Some Yankee killer on every Kevin, team. Now, no, now they got Kevin Kiermeyer too. Like that's just yeah. Not I was gonna say good. that when you mentioned him, I they went out and they they got specifically Yankee killers in the exactly. offseason. They went out and got them. Was Jackie Bradley? Oh, yeah. a Blue Jays Yankee have killer? a vendetta against the Yankees. It's hysterical. Was Jackie Bradley a Yankee killer? I feel like he came yeah, up he in was. big spots. Oh. Okay, yeah, was, probably. Martinez was a huge Yankee killer, hmm. but I feel like the biggest one was Randall Kritchik. Every single oh time. Oh, my God. Yeah. I went to a game in the bleachers, and there was one guy, like, just one guy that was plastered. He kept on, like, oh, uh, what's it called? What's the word? Well, I can't think of it. Heckling. 
Heckling, yes. He kept heckling right. Grichik and he kept saying like the dumbest shit. He was like, Randall Grichik's the type of guy to brush his teeth and drink orange juice. And just like really dumb shit like that. Like, Randall Grichik's mom says he's a, she's a Yankees fan. And just like the dumbest stuff like that, but... The best kind of heckling. Yeah, it was like Don't not like people. rude, but it was like stupid funny. Um... So then Cole ended up going six innings, seven hits, no one runs, two walks, six strikeouts, Bassett, seven innings, three hits, zero earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. Cole looked decent. I it was one of those things where like it was kind of a unwinnable situation with leaving him out for the seventh. Cause like he looked like he was starting to like get a little gassed, but also the bullpen's done. He's your ace in a big divisional game. So I don't hate the Cole to leave him in just because of, like, all the context going on. So, yeah, but... And then Bassett, I did not know he has eight pitches. Bassett yeah, threw everything. That, that's just... Yeah. That's crazy. That's why I thought he was, like... After he left the Mets, I thought he was going to struggle with the pitch... Uh, not only the pitch clock, but, like, the pitch calm. Because, like you said, he throws so many pitches that I remember just a couple Mets I games... I think he calls like, his own games. He pro- I wouldn't I be surprised. I think he has it on his belt, and he calls them. Because there were games where he just shook off, like, five pitches in a row. And then, you know, Tomas Nito, whoever the hell had to call time, you had to go to the mound and be like, all right, what the hell you want to throw? And then I just thought he was he was going to struggle with all these new mm. rules. But, I mean, what? He has a long scholar streak yeah. going on, so good for I him. I think uh, David Cohen was talking about that, how, like, that used to happen with the Mets and, like, yeah, because then they were showing and they were saying, like, yeah, he calls his own games because if he didn't, it would just be, like, so many issues, pitch clock, all that. It would take way too long. Yeah. Way too um, long. Yeah, no, he struggled a little bit beginning of the year. I remember his first start, he gave up, like, eight runs. But yeah. He had a team yeah. shot out, and then he obviously gave it against the Yankees. So he's been mm-hmm. pretty good lately. All right. And then for the last game, it was Nestor Cortez versus um, Jose Barrios. I don't know about you guys, but I was really, like – Maybe not make or break, but this was a big game for Nestor's confidence for me. Like, absolutely, not- he has not looked good no. in his last few starts, and today he looked he looked no. pretty sharp. Because there was a thing of like you could knock okay, like he had the strep throat, maybe like a little so like that, but like this was definitely like huge for me. Um, to get into the recap, top of the first, Glaber single. Aaron Judge did that thing where he hits another home run to make it 2-0 Yankees. Bichette immediately answers back in the bottom of the first to make it 2-1. Top of the seventh, Oswaldo has a leadoff double. Aaron Hicks drives him in with a single to make it 3-1. Bottom of the seventh, <clears throat> Vladdy pinch hit sack fly to make it 3-2. It was bases loaded, nobody out. Ryan Weber comes in, the hero we all needed to get the three outs. Then, eighth inning, Albert Abreu somehow gets three high-leverage outs. Then, top of the ninth, Anthony Volpe gets a huge insurance run, turning on a 99-mile-an-hour fastball and hit a ball 108.7 miles an hour. That was his fastest exit velo of the season and the fastest pitch hit out by a Yankee this season. He looks great, Yeah, honestly. He really does. I've been very impressed... I know he's he's been one of the top names to look out for mm. all year as a prospect. And some may say, you know, he hasn't been living up to that 
that that level that he was put at unfairly put at, up. Uh, from last year. But you know, watching him every single day, there's a lot of love about him. Mm. There, there really is. There really is. Call call me biased. I really don't think I am. I'm just seeing how it is. I know his um, defense is a little shaky, but he's 21. He is 21 years old. He has a didn't play I in Triple A. He played five games, but that's pretty much five nothing. games. He, you know, Double A is the hardest level. That's what it's known as. And he went straight from the hardest level to Major League Baseball. Usually, you know, you get a little little brush up, more than five games in Triple A, and then you're up. But um, and maybe even longer than that. But I'm I've been very impressed with Volpe. I really have. He's looked very. He's looked the part to me. He really has. Yeah. And that's not even talking the, the stolen bases, obviously. 13 for 13, just really getting in pitchers' heads. He should have, like, three or four more, but he just gets, like, so much in the pitcher's head. That'll be, like, a wild pitch, or the pitcher will hang a ball down the middle. I know there's one specifically I'm thinking of that judge early in the year hit a monster home run because the pitch was hung because Volpe just kept getting in the pitcher's head. And you can't really box score scout with him because – uh, me and Nick were talking about it, and I, like, ranted off, like, a couple numbers of, like, just how unlucky he's been getting the last two weeks. Where, like, he has these, like, elite hard hit rates, barrel rates, exit velocities, all that. But then you'd have, like, a, a batting average of balls put in play of, like, 100. So it's just, he's starting to finally get lucky. There's going to be growing pains. He's a 21-year-old rookie, didn't play in AAA. Shortstop is one of the hardest positions to play. All the pressure being the Yankees shortstop. Just give him time. Just give him time. It's that simple. Yeah, no, I was really, I would say, like, at first I was a little, definitely a little disappointed by Volpe. You know, I think a couple weeks ago he had a OPS in, like, the 600s. And I was like, is he, I wouldn't say he's a disappointment because, you know, steel bases, deep in defense. But ever since then, he's just been on a power surge. And his overall stats are looking pretty good now. Yeah, they're looking pretty solid. This year so far. Especially when you Alonzo, consider you, you. Oh, sorry, you go. You you said it the best, man. You cannot look at the box score and scout this kid right now. That if you want if you want positives out of Anthony Volpe, you have to look beyond. You have to look beyond the stat sheet. You really do. One adjustment I think that he can make. It's not going to be immediate, but I think it will have a huge impact on his game. And a lot of these tweaks they come with age. He swings out of his shoes. That's great. That's awesome. But there's some times where he strikes out, and it's like, whoa. Yeah. You fanned. You whiffed big time. Not but like Boba okay. level, but like close to that. That was actually my player comp coming into the <laughs> year. I compared him and Boba The That was my comp. They have. They both have very similar styles in game. Bichet, hmm. when you need his defense is pretty solid it's pretty solid he can get flashy when he needs to he has a solid arm and his swing is very very aggressive Volpe's the same way I think if Volpe can just calm down stay within his shoes these the these um these strikeouts are going to turn the balls in play and he already puts the ball in play enough uh I just you need to just be on the up with Volpe I'm sorry I I I really am if you if you think it's biased, but this he's been he's been good. He really has. And also the Del Barton bias too. Just knowing people that played against him. The green wave. 
in wave. Hey, it's even more. It's even more notes to to look at. It's I watched him in person. Yeah. Saw him in person. You know, I, in high I school. always, I always oh. make sure to say, "Oh, I knew guys that played against him. He was so good in high school." Even <laughs> though was, I just, though. I He's had no stunned. connection to him at all. Um, yeah, no, I always say that like someone that like I have on Snap, like from Joe's, like added him when he got like drafted by the Yankees and like I added him just like, oh, he got drafted by Yankees, didn't add back. But I could say I have Anthony Volpe snap. No one can take that away from me. Um, (laughs) He's pretty much my best friend. He's actually coming over tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You have a you have a hotline. Yeah, seriously. I actually have a burner phone just for Anthony Volpe. You have two phones? Mm-hmm. Alonzo is big like that. Yeah, big he man. Is. He has two phones. Well, when you got friends like Anthony Volpe, you gotta be. You gotta I be mean, yeah, you're pretty much big league at that point, literally. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the game recaps. Um, some of my like overall oh. thoughts is I'm shocked there was not a brawl this series. It just felt so inevitable every single pitch that someone was gonna get called fat boy one too many times, and there was just gonna be a punch thrown. And just, I don't know how that didn't happen. Yeah, especially with their history, you know, last oh, yeah. series with Vlad and Rizzo going at it. I agree. Like, all the shit that Manoa and Vlad have been saying in the off season, all that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad yeah, it definitely. didn't get to that point, though. the The Blue Jays are a very young and feisty team. Mm. The Yankees are a little more mature than that. This the Blue Jays. I can't. I, I don't even know how many guys they have over the age of 30 on that team, honestly. That's they, true. Yeah. Like, they are a young team. They make a lot of noise. They definitely make a lot of noise. Uh, one thing that they, they need to remember is that they have not won anything. No. <laughs> they really have not won anything. I think, you know, being gritty is great, but the Blue Jays are very, like... You know, they, they love pushing the buttons of the Yankees. They love trying to do that. And I'm happy the Yankees didn't stoop to that level. Mm. The whole glaring with Judge, the comments that Vladdy continuously makes, the comments that Manoa continuously makes, the Yankees cannot afford to stoop to that level. Mm. They just can't. Yeah, I agree on that. No, I mean, yeah. I think one of the big reasons that, like, why Brawlden started, like, Judge, like, Judge, Judge was the big storyline of the series, and he's not a guy who's going to try to start a brawl. Mm. He's not Bryce Harper. He's not running after yeah. random yeah. relief pitcher trying to start a fight. <laughs> I remember in the Tyler Austin one, he was, like, pulling guys away. And that was, what, 2018, mm-hmm. when he was still, like, 26 years old? 2017. Really? I Which thought it was... one? There was one against Boston, and there was one against Detroit. <laughs> I'm thinking the Tyler Austin, um, Joe Kelly. It was against... That was Boston. Yeah, that was 2018. Well, in 2017, they had that three-brawl game against Detroit. Yeah. That was Romine. Sanchez was in there. uh, Cabrera. Yeah, Miguel. Miguel, It was Romine and Cabrera. Yeah. Yeah. Cabrera shoved Romine and then... That just just brought back so much. Jesus. (laughs) Um, Just like another note, and this is kind of like a quick one-off. The Blue Jays were 12-3 and at home before this series. I feel like that's not talked about enough. Just how elite of a home team the Blue Jays were. They had the second best record, like winning percentage wise, at home, uh, with first being the Rays. I think that's like, and they even almost won a series in Tampa. I think that's not being talked about enough. 
I didn't I didn't even know about that. Yeah. So there you go. It definitely hasn't been talked about yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's always huge to go into quote unquote enemy territory and take out three three or four, mm. especially against a big divisional rival who you know you'll be fighting tooth and nail throughout the entire season with. Hmm. And kind of like piggybacking on that divisional rival, has it gotten to the point where the Red Sox are almost the Yankees' fourth biggest rivalry? Definitely not fourth. I definitely see the Red Sox are a bigger rival than the Orioles. Well, I was, I'm not stalking only in division. I was saying Houston, Toronto, and Tampa. Okay. Um, That's like for the I'm talking only know. recently. Like, only recently. I'm just gonna say right know. now, no team in Major League Baseball will ever trump. I don't care about the Astros. Don't care about the Rays. Don't care about the Blue Jays. There will never be a team in Major League Baseball that will combat the Red Sox Yankees rivalry. Okay, it's never gonna happen. Fair. Never gonna happen. These new rivalries are great because the Blue Jays and the Rays and the Astros are just as competitive as the Yankees. The Red Sox having a little, a uh, little bit of a. Um, you know, they're in a retooling. I don't really know what they're doing over there, yeah. honestly. But their rivalry will never be diminished by another team. It's okay. never going to happen. That's fair. Okay. And I think especially when you look at it from a fan's perspective, not only from the team on the field, that right. rivalry is never going to die. Yeah. It's never. Never going to die. Ever. Mm. Okay. I don't know. That was just something I was thinking about because, like, recency yeah, bias. Is- it's valid. That's a valid. That's a valid thing to think about, though. Um, you know, because with the Red Sox not competing the, like they had been, the, the Yankees and Red Sox had been known to do, it you know it poses that question. But at the end of the day, those two franchises have been going at it a lot longer than the Rays, Astros, and Blue Jays. They've been going at it longer than existence. I was about to say that, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, fair. You'll see it. Just look at the ticket prices. Yankees, Red Sox is always going to be higher priced than Yankees mm. Rays. Yeah, no even if both the Yankees and Red Sox are bad. Hmm. Yeah. Um, something else I was looking at just about how unimaginably screwed this Yankee team would be if Judge and Rizzo were just not on this team. As a team, they would have a 222 batting average, 292 on base, 380 uh, slugging for a 672 OPS. That is just. Thank they need God. Giancarlo back. Yeah. They need Giancarlo back. They don't have a four-hole hitter. They need him back. Sounds pretty similar to last year. With, um, I think if you took away judges' stats from the Yankees' offense, they were like the second-worst offense. In yeah. It was like if you they took it. probably would have won 88 games. For, for, pretty, for like a pretty good stretch from like yeah. August. It was like after to, the like, All-Star break, yeah. their numbers were worse than the Pirates if you took Judge out. Yeah. If you base it on yeah, war... They would have won 88 games without Aaron Judge. No. That's insane. Yeah. They won 99 games. That no. Way. That's nuts. That's just... People don't realize that, like, he legitimately, over the last two years, is the best player in baseball. And, like, there really isn't too... Mm, I, I don't know. I think Shohei edges him. I mean, he's even been... Though, even though Judge won MVP. I'm saying last two years, Judge has been better than Aldani. I don't think so. Oh, I don't know about See, that. See, and like, in what way are you talking about, though? How valuable I, I, I they are think... to the team. 
Otani does both sides of the ball. I was going to say, But look yeah. what happens to the Yankees Top when five you take, in the league you take on both Judge sides of the ball. Out. I, it's so hard because I, I just – I think it's more it's of a credit to It's extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult at first to just quantify what Shohei Otani does. Mm. I think that that's where the issue starts. How, you can't, you, I feel like you can't even compare. If you take him you know, part by part, pitcher to pitcher, hitter to hitter, sure. But Otani does both, and it's really hard to make a comparison when he does that. Fair. Because yeah, you no, take I, Otani out of the Angels, you're losing a starter, and you're losing arguably best you're not hitter, just losing maybe? A starter. You're losing your ace. You're True. losing your ace, and you're losing your best hitter. I mean, all right. We want to say Mike Trout and Otani. Okay. 1A, 1B. You're definitely losing yeah. your ace. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. And know. that's just an ace. He is a top five, top ten pitcher in baseball. Mm. Okay. In yeah. baseball, top ten in the American League, top five, top three, mm-hmm. for sure. I just think as I mean as big of a judge fan as big of a Otani fan like all bias aside like when you're a top 10 hitter and a top 10 pitcher in baseball it's going to take more than 62 months to top that in terms of value so do you think that judge should have won MVP last year or Otani no I think Otani deserved MVP okay really interesting I feel like See, I that I disagree with that just because Judge broke one of the most infamous records in Major League. He had baseball. the best that's more about the storyline. He had the best like offensive season without steroids in baseball history. Yeah. yeah. Like that's So it's like dude. while still playing <laughs> elite wow. defense or pretty good defense in center field. So it's like it is tough. It's a. I mean, like me and Will had the same debate last year on the podcast, and it's like, yes, any other year, Judge wins MVP. But in my opinion, I think Otani had a better season. Because my only issue with that is that if Otani won it, then it should be Otani every single year. You know what I mean? Because if it's like, but if it's at the point where like, even if someone has the greatest offensive season of all time in the American League and they can't win it, and I, I don't know, I just don't, I couldn't get on that bus otani didn't duplicate his mvp offensive season no. that's why he didn't win. his offense he wasn't was like he was definitely very good offensively last year and much better uh pitching last year as the as a starter and uh, like i said his offense was great but if he matched or was slightly worse slightly better than what he was offensively in 2021 he would have definitely won it i think but he was not. He definitely was not. He was good, but I think Judge definitely should have won that the MVP last year. And I want to say, let me find Otani's war from last year. Yeah, pretty sure Judge surpassed him. He in had war. him like by five or something <laughs> After like all that. After this talk, yeah, yeah no, Judge did beat him in war, but. But then I think it go it goes back to the other point where you can't quantify what Otani does. Mm. Sure, you want to talk about war and this and that, but. Even war doesn't comprehend what Otani does. Yeah, I completely agree. The war stat does not do Otani. Okay. Exactly. Oh. I think the other thing is for MVP wise, if Otani does this year in, year out, do you guys think that just diminishes his, I guess, like. It's not impressive. It's like, Mike, like, it's like 
Mike Trout, where it's like, like you're not he, surprised. Yeah, he was like so elite that like when he was like a tick below elite, people were like, "What? Mike Trout's not good anymore. He's washed." Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's true, yeah. Right. He's a top five pitcher year in year out. Top five hitter year in year out. Now it's just kind of like, okay. To be consistent in baseball is like one of like year in year out is like one of the craziest things. To be consistent from both sides is wild. Let me say I am not hating on Otani. He was my MVP pick, but yeah, I just want to like just in case people think I'm like hating on Otani, I'm not. Future Matt, it's okay. Future Dodgers, IMO. <laughs> Mariner, Mariner. Mar- oh, no. Mariner. Oh, they're gonna Mariners, dump half they their money over the American League West. 100%. I wouldn't mind that. That is the ideal fit. You want me to give you guys a heart attack? Future Astro. Never happened. Uh, They're not doing it. Future Brave. They'll still find a way to make the World Series. Dude. Seriously. Um, All right, and then... Mauricio Dubon. Mauricio Dubon. (laughs) Um, One thing I was, like, mentioning earlier about, like, the pen and how, like, I think Severino coming back is going to be massive is just it's one of these things where the starters are just not going deep, where, like, Nestor hasn't been himself. Even Cole's only been going about five innings. I know he went six today, and I think six another day. But it's only, like, five, six. Where early in the year, he was going, like, seven, eight. So I'm obviously not expecting him to go eight every day. But just a little more length from him is almost – you almost need him to go eight with how bad the rest of the starters have been lengthwise. So him coming back is just going to be massive because it literally got to the point today where – Albert Abreu and Ryan Weber were your high-leverage guys. Ryan Weber, who's the guy that gets DFA'd and then signed back when you need an arm, was the guy. Albert Abreu, who got DFA'd by four different teams last year, they were your high-leverage guys in today's game. That's not... I shouldn't have to tell you that's not okay. They shoved. When when Ryan Weber was coming into this game... And it was commercial break, and he was coming in. I, in my head, the Blue Jays were already in the lead. Like, I, I had a split. I, like, I had a split. We're not in the lead anymore. And I was genuinely shocked when the inning ended, and we were still in the lead. Dude, it was the hate of Ryan Weber, guys. No, it's guys. nothing. Ryan Weber. Ryan Weber is a guy that understands his role. All right, he's gonna get DFA'd. And he'll come back on a minor league deal. I'll see you in like three weeks. All right, and he'll come in and he'll have like a weird game. He may be pretty good. He may give you a long relief game. He'll go like three innings, and he'll be like, "Whoa, Ryan Weber!" And then he'll get DFA'd again. He is the. He's always coming back. He's the IKF of pitchers in the sense of you can't be mad at him for being him. You could be mad at how he's utilized. We're like him. He has value within himself. It's just you. Can't, he's not a seventh, eighth inning guy in high leverage. Like granted, there were straps, but. They can, but he has value because he he accepts his assignment, literally. Yeah. Yeah, literally. He accepts his assignment every time. Be, like that's what they do. Honestly, this may be and a he's hot cool with that. This may be a hot take, but I feel like when Canley comes back, they should just DFA Abreu and then have Weber be the Abreu spot or like the mop up late like that guy when like the bullpen's kinda toast, you need someone to pitch. Something like that, but knowing how this front office works. It's going to be Weber over Abreu oh, yeah. and out of 10 times. It, every time, bro. Mm. Every time. Because Abreu can get up to 100 no matter <coughs> excuse me, if he's throwing strikes or not. Um, he's a guy that they've had forever. 
he's he came up with them. They let him go, and he found his way back. That's how the Yankees roll. That 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 is just how they roll. I w- it, if that were to be the case, it would definitely they would take Abreu over Weber. Mm. I think they would too. I don't agree with that, but I definitely think. Yeah, they would I'm not too. saying I do or don't. No. I'm just saying that's probably what they. Would He's sixth do. percentile yeah. in walks, Albert Abreu. Third percentile in chase rate. Nineteenth fastball class. spin. Fun. Um, I will say though, like watching Abreu versus Weber, like the fact that they're both bad pitchers and one of them throws like 86, 87, and then one throws like ninety nine hundred. Yeah. It gives me more confidence in that fact in Weber. It's like, wow, this guy made it to the majors, doesn't even throw ninety. Abreu's in here. He would know. He would not be on a major league now right now if he did ninety two, ninety three. No. So like, I, I don't know. Just the fact that he throws really slow gives me a little bit of confidence because he's really bad. I see that. I mean, it throws off hitters too. You're so used to seeing 9900 that something slower is gonna throw you off. It's like Nestor. Like when Nestor was like so just dominant the last two years, that was why. Because he was like slower. He got like really funky. He like really embraced the slower kind of like funky style. So he learned how to pitch. He learned what he had. And he incorporated it into yeah. his work. Learned how to be a pitcher. Yeah, I remember David Cohn said that like twenty six, twenty seven is typically when like the crafty lefties started to like figure it out. And Nestor is now twenty eight, right? Yes. I, I want to say right so. now he's tw- so like twenty six, twenty seven is when he figured it out. So that's why like I know some people are already calling him a fluke. I think it's way too early to say that, but we may. It's only May. Yeah, that's, he, had a, yes. he, had a, he had a little rough stretch. He started really well. Yeah. He had a couple like and he didn't pitch bad today. No, I think he pitched very well today. Going into the sixth inning or the seventh inning was another one of those things of like I wouldn't have set him out normally, but you had absolutely no bullpen guys. So it was almost one of those things where like you had to, and I'm not gonna like knock Boone for it just because he was in a really tough situation. I feel like he kinda was forced to do that. But um, you guys got anything else on Nestor? No, I think just his success is going to kind of not decide, but it's going to play a big part in kind of how far this team can go. Because I feel you have a decent amount of guys, pitchers at least, coming back from injury. You know, Severino's coming back Sunday, thankfully. But, and then you're still waiting on Rodon, but they're coming back from injury. They're not going to be pitching deep in the game straight off the bat. So if Nestor can kind of be that guy that gives you 6-7, I think that's going to change the dynamic a little bit. For sure. If cool. your second best starter can give you that length that he should, like he needs to be doing, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. And he's, I think I'm very confident in, in Nestor. He's shown a lot over the last few years. <coughs> Excuse me. I think I think he's gonna be fine. He just had a, a rough stretch. Pitchers go through it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Kind of just quick little like notes I had about the minor leagues. Um. Will Warren, for those that don't know, the Yanks' number one pitcher, made his AAA debut today. He went six innings pitched, four hits, two runs, zero walks, four strikeouts, only seventy-one pitches. I think very well debut. Um, I still remember there was that stat 
that I don't remember the exact thing, but it was like six starts through the year where he had like a four year A, but he had like a one dot oh one FIP or something like crazy like that, where like he was just absolutely dealing in double A. Now he's like first star triple A, pretty good. It's kind of funny. One of the runs he gave up was actually a home run to Jackson Frazier. Um, and yeah, I thought that was a little. And yeah, Jackson, I don't think he'll Frazier. be called up this year. Maybe later down the year if like gets really bad. But and then just two other guys, Austin Wells today went two for two with a home run, a walk, and a stolen base. He is 34 for 34 in his career in stolen bases. That's kind of just wild for a catcher. That's insane. So I don't get why he's not in AAA yet. That's kind of just, like, wild to me. Um, And then the last guy, Jason Dominguez, in May is hitting – is 15 for 52 for a 288 batting average. Didn't find, like, slugging on base because I was too lazy and the tweet didn't have it. Um, he hit four home runs in that span, 14 RBIs, 15 runs, and four foreign stolen bases. He seems to finally be hitting again because there was, like, that point where he had, like, a 30-walk percentage, like, a month into the season. It was just a thing, like, he couldn't get pitches to hit. Now he finally is. So I've been seeing some stuff. They may even fast-track him if he, like, really lights up double-A and triple-A and they, like, really need a left fielder if they haven't figured that out by, like, September that they may, especially because he needs to be put on the 40-man next year. If there's a DFA candidate, who knows, but. Yeah, another thing from minor leagues, uh, like you mentioned before, I don't know how we can really go into specifics, but breaking news, Ben Horvath might be real. He may be real. I would lean towards that he is. Did you see the picture <laughs> of Judge know. with the Bat Boy? He, listen, well, we haven't seen him on the field yet. Yes, I did see the pictures of him and Judge, but I, I don't believe it until he actually takes him that bat. It's funny because <laughs> he had like his arm around uh, Rorfed, and my dad was like, Who is that? Is that his younger brother? And then I just see like on Twitter, everyone like, Oh, Ben Rorfed, he's real. I was like, Wait, that's Rorfed? Yo, he's a big dude. He's jacked. Big guy. I was man. just showing that he's one of those yeah. people that, like, short people cover your ears. He's, like, insecure that he's short, so he just gets absolutely yoked. Like, that's just the Ben Rorfed lifestyle. Is he short? I'm pretty sure. Sh- I-, I think he's compressed. Is, is he short or is Judge just freakishly tall? Yeah, come on now. I, I want to say he's, like, 5'10". <laughs> what, like, what if he's, like, 6'2", and, the, you know. Yeah, he right? can't be taller There's than judge, me. Though. He can't be taller than me. Please don't be. Here we go. We're looking it up right now. 5'9", thank God. Oh, wow. <gasps> yeah, no, I'm six foot on the dot. Thank God. He's not, that would have been so bad if he's just like six foot, six one. Shut up. He's, he's taller one, than you. He's 5'9", 191. Though. Oh, my God. Whoa. Yeah. Dude's playing Whoa. the wrong sport. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. The, wow. The Tyler O'Neal of catchers. Dude, seriously. No, he's bigger than O'Neal. Like on like a pound-for-pound basis. Dude, that that picture with oh, the bicep, with the bicep though that I showed you, <laughs> with the flexing with the curl bar. I've seen that picture. Yeah. That's like what I was referring to. Yeah. When they is. first traded for Huge. when he when, uh, well they didn't really trade for him. He was thrown in, but he may end up being DP. <laughs> that was the reason when he was when he yeah. was a stowaway on the plane. Yeah, basically. Yeah. He just wanted out. That was the uh, that was the 
first picture I saw of him. I was like, whoa. This guy and that was like the last ripped. picture I saw of him until today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm passionate. That's his saving grace, you know. That he will save the IKF trade. <laughs> the Yankees got their guy. The Twins don't even have any piece of that trade left. Exactly. So. Oh, they. You're right. Jesus. They're both gone. The oh, Mets are benefiting from that trade. They are. Little they teaser. Are. Um, yeah, seriously. All right, that's it. I got from my overall thoughts. I'll go into look ahead unless you guys got anything else. No. Great series against oh, Toronto. Aaron Judge hit four home runs. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really get much better than that. Six home runs his last six days. I got three very winnable games. Well, you're going to oh, get yeah. into it, though. Um, yeah, no, I'm Aaron, not going to get that Aaron into Aaron it. It's just... What were you going to say? I cut you off. Aaron Judge is the best. Aaron Hicks is back. Oh, oh, God, no. Three <laughs> hits um, for Aaron Hicks today. Um, game one is 640 on Friday. It's Clark Schmidt versus Ben Lively. Ben Lively is one for one with a uh, 169 ERA. I forgot to write Clark Schmidt's stats down. That's probably for the better. Not good. Um, then game two is at 410 on Saturday. It is the best pitcher on the Yankees, TBD, versus Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver is 1-2, ERA on the year. Then for game three at 1135 on Peacock um, is Luis Severino in his season debut versus Hunter Green, who is 0-3 with a 4-6 ERA. All these games should be winnable. I don't think they're going to sweep just because I feel like they're going to take them lightly or maybe like one of those things where like they have all that adrenaline from like these like high powered games against the division, like so back to back to back that they may just be burnt out a little. I hope not. I could see, I could see it going either way where they go like two and one or like a sweep and they just absolutely like blow the doors off them. But I think that TBD game is going to be a Cordero burrito game. Cordero burrito. Okay. Let me, yep. Yeah, I think that, that might, or, yeah, or think somebody. That I would prefer Cordero, but hmm. I know. think Cordero's. I think that's a good spot for him, because I don't. I didn't like him in high leverage. I just. I. I just say. I say Cordero because you know, it ran. They ran that back one time and it, mm. it worked really well. So yeah. why would you change it unless you needed Cordero in some situation mm. after then? Well, he's. I, I don't see why they. I know he pitched twenty five pitches on Friday. Then about twenty. Wait, what's today? I'm, I'm messing my days up. Today's Thursday. He pitched 25 pitches on Monday and then 25 pitches yesterday. So they're probably gonna, probably not gonna pitch tomorrow. So I think that would line him up to pitch that day. So makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. lines up. It lines up. It would make a lot of sense, and that would be nice to see what what um how how this experiment goes in round two was yeah. it just a one game kind of thing or is this something that they can you know keep using for a little bit of time until that until they get you know some starters back good definitely, definitely. but these huh. three games are extremely winnable please one i mean you never want to call for a sweep but everyone's thinking it. i did not say it I did not say you said I it. Say I it did not say it. I didn't say. I, I, I did didn't not say, say the S word. I, I did not I bring up it. the S word. All right. Take two or three right here first. No oh God. No, I called for a sweep one time and that did not go well. That no, did not. Didn't. That was the. I called for a sweep on the uh, twin series. 
That did not go well. Oh, that did not. That did not go. So I am never again. Never again. No. Um. So yeah. Into Queens. So yeah. Into Queens. Now entering Queens. Everybody and welcome back to Queens, where the Mets have won a series for the first time since April. Golf claps. Yeah, basically, little little snaps. <laughs> but the Mets took two out of three from the best team in baseball in the Rays. But of course, before we get into that, the injury report brought to you by Tribo MD, where we have a lot of positives to talk about. So first and foremost, Carlos Carrasco who's been out with a bone spur since about April at this point, he will start Friday, first game against the Cleveland Guardians. So go figure. Uh, Jose Quintana is going in for a CAT scan uh, this weekend. If everything goes well, he'll be cleared to ramp up baseball activities. Uh, they're still eyeing a July return date, but the more the merrier when it comes to starting pitching. And then Omar Narvaez, who's been out with a calf strain, will begin a rehab assignment next week. So that can maybe throw a wrench into things, the catching situation, because, I'll add this in now, the Mets are calling up Gary Sanchez. He will be with the team on Friday. So, of course, since we have you lovely Yankees fans with us right now, what do you think? It's the Sanchez. Have Season's turned around. fun. It's go time. <laughs> Have fun. This is it. I, I think it's great. These are about to get crazy and flushing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm a little conflicted, I will say, because I feel like Francisco Alvarez and Gary Sanchez kind of, you kind of look at them and you kind of see like the same player. I will say Alvarez defensively has been great so far. Sanchez historically is not but my only concern is I hope it doesn't eat into Alvarez playing time I don't mind Sanchez being up but you know Alvarez should still be the primary catcher I would like Sanchez to DH over guys like Tommy Pham but you know that's my only one concern but it's exciting I feel like it's kind of you don't really lose anything you know He's been tearing it up in AAA. His OPS is over 1,000 in his first couple games. He's hit a home run. He's driven up a couple runs. So, again, maybe you catch lightning in a bottle, but I don't hate it. Can I, I say something it. mean? Just looking at his stats the last couple of years. Yeah. He, Gary Sanchez is known for being this just absolute, like, hitting catcher, a monster hitter. In the last one, two, three, four, in the last five seasons, he's been an above-average hitter once, OPS-wise. OPS plus yeah. was. Right. So not what he was, but I will say, when I think it was what, with the Giants earlier on the minor league contract? Yeah, he was yes. on minor and then he opted out? Yeah. Yes. So he wasn't hitting with the Giants. Then he came over to the Mets. He was in AAA, and he kind of just hit the ground running. So I'm not sure what changed there, but mm. hey, if he wants to start hitting some home runs... Gladly take that. I feel like that's badly. Needed. I feel like this was like the worst, second worst place for him to go, other than the what, Yankees. What? Just because like the city already hate like most people in New York already hate Gary Sanchez, <laughs> and just like 
he did not do well with like the pressure. I, personally, right. I think this was like like I said, second worst landing spot for him, but only time will tell. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Definitely. Here's the thing. He played for the Yankees before he played for the Mets. No knock on the Mets here. Playing for the Yankees with the magnitude that he had as a prospect, not a recipe for success. This guy was like a highly regarded prospect for four plus years and did not live up to that hype. Now he goes cross town to a fan base that doesn't like the fan base that he just came from or the franchise in general. So that gives them even more of an incentive to root for this guy and to help him like get back into that 2017, 2019, maybe even 2016 form. Who knows? It's just fuel to the fire. I personally really liked it for the Mets for that reason. And because you know, they needed catching and he was a catcher available, probably, you know, one of the better ones out there as a free agent. So the New York factor is there, but I don't know if it's the same, if it has the same effect. I think it's actually better for him to be across town and have that much more motivation to be better in New York. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe even for Sanchez himself, maybe he's playing with a little bit of chip on the shoulder. You know, say what you want about a Mets-Yankees rivalry. If, if it's there, if it's not, it's, I feel like it's a little bit up to debate. But, you know, kind of just, go, I get, like you said, going across town, maybe he's just playing for a little bit of an edge just to kind of right back at the Yankees. Yeah. But, you know, time will tell. Time I agree. Tell. I think it's a fabricated rivalry, but that could just be me. Yeah. Like one person I've, just got, like, mad with a Mets. Like one Yankee fan just got mad with a Mets fan, and then it just, like, started. But the teams really aren't really a rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, well, not I mean, to the ex- last couple of years, those yeah. series have been. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's yeah. true. They've been jawing at each other. Fair. It's I will the, say because they're both good. They're both good teams. They want to run New York. So exactly. You know, I think the rivalry rivalry is there. It's not like what it is with Toronto, mm. but or with Tampa, but and the Red Sox. Right. Definitely. It's, it's there though. It's there. I feel like finally, after a rough couple of years, both of these teams are ready to contend. So I think that kind of changes it a lot. But, yeah. But no, enough of that. I do think it is, like, a very good fit for Gary. I'd, like, disagree with what you said, second worst landing spot. Because especially for the fact that they have Alvarez, who has struggled a little bit, and it's like they have Gary right here. It's like, look at Gary. Don't be right. like like don't be he, like him. He, he was the the top prospect that was supposed to be what you were striving to be. Right. He's the top prospect that everybody wanted Gary to be, and he's right there. It's just like a fun so house it's mirror. It's like you don't want to look like this. Yeah. Just make this sure you Gary. don't become this. Don't be like don't Gary. Be, don't be like Gary. <laughs> it's just crazy that we're sitting here right now and talking about how Gary Sanchez is on a minor league deal with the New York Mets and he's getting yeah. called up. Yeah. I just can't I I can't no, fathom no. it. Just with Time this, flies. with his name, with the with Gary Sanchez, that name being in the mix for the Yankees for <laughs> just ten plus years, and now he's on the Mets on a minor league deal at thirty years old is just bonkers. I'm sorry. His it's 2016. 
I'm just because oh, I ha I still have it up. He had a 168 OPS plus in 2016 in what was that? 53 uh, games. Yeah, he got second in rookie of the year in 53 games. Wow. It's, if they can get something out of him for a couple games until Narvaez is, Narvaez is back, I kind of feel like this is the bridge back to Narvaez. So if he gets on a hot streak for a couple games, even a couple weeks. Completely I'll random. To Guess who won? Maybe a DFA of Nito. Guess who won Rookie of the Year in 2016? Oh, oh Michael Fulmer. Yeah. That's a good, that is a that name a that I have not heard in years. The Tigers. Yeah. 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 All right. All Michael right. Who's he with now? The Cubs? That sounds no, right. He's not with the Cubs. No. Um, who's he with? Giants? He's with the Cubs. He's a great Cubs. guess. Good job, Larry. You get a star. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Michael Fulmer was also drafted by the Mets in the first round. He was. He was. That's true. Matt that's, a, that's how we tie it in. There it is. Perfect. Look at that. And a nice little bow. But let's get into these games. So game one was not the best game for Justin Verlander. His third start with the New York Mets, he goes five innings, eight hits, six earned runs, two walks, only three strikeouts. Obviously, he did not look sharp. Um, he was hanging a lot of breaking stuff. You know, Eastock Paredes kind of had his number this game, hitting two home runs off of him. But not sharp, not great, not what the Mets needed, especially how bad their starting pitching has been. They kind of look to Verlander to be that stopper, to kind of be that guy that's going to give you six, seven strong innings, and obviously that he didn't give him that. But, look, the Rays are an extremely good baseball team. The best right now, definitely, I'll say. And the Mets kind of fought back a little bit. So, quick scoring summary. Brett Beatty hit a solo home run for the Mets' first run of the game. And then Pete Alonso followed up with a two-run home run. And Eduardo Escobar, off the bench, came up with a two-run home run in the bottom of the ninth. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough for a comeback as the Mets lost that first game 8-5. to five. I think for this game, the Mets just kind of got beat. Verlander got beat. Uh, I found this a little interesting. The Mets never had a runner in scoring position. Hmm. All of, yeah. I, How many so runs they scored? They scored five runs, never having a runner in scoring position. It's kind of wild. They hit two solo home run or one solo home run and two. How did they do that? Yeah, two That's two crazy. run home runs. That's crazy. Yeah. There you go. So I mean, I think this it's kind of like I feel like I say this almost every episode at this point. The pitching falters. The offense tries to come back, but too little, too late. But obviously, lost game one. Kind of bad taste in your mouth, but. Not much to talk about there. I think the main piece of this series was game two. Kodai Sanga was magnificent Ooh. in this game. Yeah, his ghost fork was working today. Kodai Sanga went six innings, three hits, one earned run, three walks, 12 strikeouts. His best start, without a doubt. I'm not sure how much you guys have watched Kodai's starts, but he I've was pounding the strike zone. Yeah. He was pounding the strike zone. Three walks. 
obviously, walks are just going to be part of this game at this point. But 12 strikeouts. The Rays could barely touch him, and I think that was huge. He's looked great. He He's looked great. I remember watching his first start, and um, it was against Miami, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> he got into a little bit of trouble in the beginning. And um, ever since then, he I feel like has had this steady progression of getting more and more comfortable each start. Like, this last time out was phenomenal. It was great. I mean, that, that forkball is really all it's lived up to. Legit, yeah. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but I know that that pitch has not been barreled up. Maybe one hit, if I'm remembering correctly, only a handful of hits off that ghost fork, whatever you want to call it. So it's legit, and it's translating extremely well to the major leagues. It is. It looks it looks great. I In that first start against Miami, he had a really tough time of keeping it Low the zone. It was low in the strike zone. That pitch needs to be below the zone every time. And he, uh, like I said before, has consistently looked much more just mechanically sound, especially throwing that pitch. And I think every time he goes out there, that pitch looks more and more unhittable. No, definitely. I'm trying to find the numbers on it, but I just cannot find it. All I know is it's really, no. really good. <laughs> and, and we talked about this too, how like you can't expect him to be what he was immediately in Japan this year. If I, like he's doing better so far this year than I really expected him to be this early, because I thought it may have taken more time to like develop, like not develop, uh, adjust like the new league, all like the new stuff, like pitching on last day's rest, pitching with a slightly bigger ball. So I think this is definitely really encouraging to see how much he's already adjusted and that makes me believe there's even more that can be adjusted down the road Definitely. so i found the numbers on it from baseball savant he's thrown it 164 times this year in 53 third appearances that have resulted in a walk or a ball in play here's our five for 44 um with a 87 expected batting average, 114 slugging, 101 expected slugging, 203 Loba, 188 expected Loba. So he's getting unlucky, actually. 58.8 whip percentage. Yeah, so he's getting unlucky because you said 5 for 45, so that's over 100. And you said 0.087? Yeah, so he actually is getting a little bit unlucky. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. But as much as Kodai Senga shined at this game, I think the real, I don't want to say hero. There were a lot of heroes in this game, in this fantastic comeback. But Mark Vientos was called up that day. And he was in the lineup that day and hits a two-run home run his first game back in the major leagues to tie the game at two. And I don't know if you guys saw the home run, but that was not an easy pitch to hit dead center it was like inside and he just muscled it out just a little smidge to the left of center field this guy's power is legit hmm. and Vientos. i think he just needs to play 
constantly. Uh, yeah, he's been up for what? This was his second game now. So uh, that was his first, first, right? Like this year, at least this year. This year, this year. If not, oh wait, today. the Mets didn't play today. That's right. So yeah, it was his first game. So I I have a a buddy of mine, my roommate, uh, actually interviewed Lindor and asked him, um, what he thought of uh, Vientos. And uh, Viento, let me let me pull it up real quick. What did uh, Lindor say about Vientos? Um, well, my roommate asked him about advice that he would give uh, Vientos. Shout out to you, AP Chris Persianen. Incredible coverage of the Mets and more specifically the Knicks. But he said to be himself and nothing different, and that. On that game in particular, it feels good, but tomorrow we have to get back to work. He actually sat down and he interviewed Lindor and talked about Vientos. He, he said some more things, but I don't I don't have it on me right now. But yeah, Vientos, um, what was he, the seventh overall prospect in the Mets system? Yeah, yeah seventh. So, you know, he's this big power bat. I think the one issue I had with the call-up not necessarily with him. I think he needed to be called up at this point. He he was tearing up AAA. There's no reason to keep him in AAA. The corresponding move was Luis Guillorme, who's really your backup infielder, defensive replacement, which is fine. But Vientos doesn't necessarily have a position. You know, he's a third baseman, first baseman by trade. But, you know, you have Brett Beatty at third base. You have Alonzo at first base. Not obviously not going to play Vientos over Alonzo. I don't think you're going to play Vientos over Beatty. So I think he needs to be the full-time DH. I mm-hmm. think the only way he gets like full play, like everyday playing time is if you either DH him every day or if you have Beatty in the outfield every day, which I don't really see them doing. Right. So speaking of, Beatty kind of made an appearance in the outfield in this game because he I forgot who he pinched it for, but he pinched it and he got he was left in left field for the last inning or so. So maybe I'm not going to take too much stock into it. I think it's just late game. You just need him to kind of stand in the outfield. You know he has experience. Yeah, he has a couple games under his belt in left field, but I wouldn't mind them trying Beatty in left field if it gives Mark Vientos a turn at third base because I think those two guys just need to be in the lineup. I would agree. And you just got to figure it out. As I think kind the of Mets n- really need to... I mean, they're, they're, they're looking better now. They needed to really, like, tweak their lineup when they were in that slump, like, yeah. badly. They, I, I have to pull it up. There was a specific lineup that I saw, and I was just like, what is Buck Showalter doing? It, the, it just didn't make sense to me. There's been Let's a few see if I can those. find an example. Okay. One through four, Nimmo McNeil or yeah, Nimmo McNeil and Dora Alonso. That I just don't like that. I really don't like. I, it. I don't have a problem with that. Actually. McNeil yeah, should be number one. Okay. Alonso Ooh. should be two. Mm. I'm sorry. Is that what I wanted? Oh yeah, McNeil should be McNeil should be one. Alonso should be two. Um. I think Nimmo should be three and Lindor should be four. I think that's how they should run it because 
I Nimmo, he gets on base a lot, but he also has a higher batting average than McNeil overall. So McNeil also gets on base at a decent clip, not like Nimmo, but he could still he could still get on base for you at that leadoff spot. Then if you put your best hitter at the number two spot, as they should be doing, and they're not, I think Alonzo would thrive a little more in that spot. Um, and then you sl- you slot Nemo in three. That that's inter- that that one um, Nemo in three. I feel like you could kind of play around with. Maybe you keep Lindor there, but I don't know. I've just I saw it. I saw it during their stretch of just add baseball and i was like if i'm show walter i would consider just doing this for a game or two to break whatever's going on and if it works it works but um that was that was a couple that was last week before they had that monster walk off so i don't know i don't know i felt i felt like their lineup construction could have had a little tweaking because it felt like buck was putting out the same thing like all the time and it just yeah. wasn't making a lot of sense. They weren't winning. They yeah. were not winning. And obviously the pitching wasn't there, but you know, something had to give. And I, I just saw that lineup and I was like, ah, let, let's retool it a little bit. Let's retool it. I will say, I don't hate Alonzo at two. I do. I, I, I like the best hitter at two. Yeah. I, I, maybe that's just the Yankee in me from watching judge being the number two guy all the time. But that that was just a baseball thing that I had learned throughout the years of just playing and watching baseball. You want your best overall hitter at number two. Now yeah. Pete is your best power hitter. Overall, he's the Mets' best hitter. Like yeah, he's definitely. without a doubt the most well-rounded hitter on that team. So, and I think you need to take a look at McNeil McNeil's um. And, and Nimmo's ground ball percentage. A big problem with the Mets, and Nick, you can attest to this, double plays. You get a guy on base, uh-huh. and they just ground into double plays every single yep. time. That was my motive of this lineup switch. Less less balls hit on the ground, situations where there's guys on base. They need they yeah. need to start hitting the ball in the air. It was always, every time I turn on the Mets game, it's always a double play. Anytime yep. I have somebody on base, double play. Roll it up. I agree. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, that's definitely been something that's pl- plagued them. And even these couple games that they've won, they've hit into some pretty disastrous double plays where they really kind of sold themselves short on a big inning. But, no, definitely that the ground ball percentage can definitely improve. I mean, uh, I think a, a not, not big factor, but with, for someone like Beatty, who has consistently, when he's played, has consistently been hitting the five hole. He has been hitting the ball on the ground. I don't have the number in front of me, but he's been hitting on. I feel like every time, he is always hitting the ball on the ground, and he has some good pop. Like he has some power in there, but if you can't get on the ball in the air and you're hitting consistently on the ground, it's not a recipe for success. So I don't hate that lineup construction. I will say. I think Nimmo is a mainstay at leadoff spot just because of his on-base skills. And I know it's, like, tough to pull him from that spot. I know he's always, always has a OBP over 400. So yep. th- that makes it almost impossible to 
pull him from that spot. So Definitely. I get that. Um, and I don't even have the numbers in front of me. I'm just doing it based on what what I've seen when I watch the Mets play. They they need to get they needed to get a bat and they didn't get a bat. And yeah. they they just they need to start hitting the ball in the air more. And I'm not necessarily looking for their ground ball percentage to improve, but because it is what it is. But they need to get guys who aren't going to bounce into double plays up in situations more often. So I think maybe penciling in different lineup combinations would be pretty favorable for them. Just to add to your point, Nick, I found it. Brett Beatty this year is a 49.2 ground ball percentage. Yeah, almost 50%. But if you look at his career, that just, like, seems like who he is. Yeah, no, he that's that's the one issue I kind of have. Every year is, like, hovering, like, between 40 and 60. There's one year he had in 20 – wait. In AAA this year, he had a 30 ground ball percentage, but in MLB is 50. So it's like that's right. really the only time he's had before below 40 in his entire career. Right. And when it was below 40, look what he did. I'm sure you're looking at the stats right now. He was tearing it up in AAA. Yeah, let me see. So that was my one concern when he was brought up. I think he just needs playing time to kind of just get over. Yeah, one, I guess. One, three, eight, six OPS in AAA. Right. Right. Just get the ball in the air, put the ball in play off the ground, hitting line drives, gap to gap. That's kind of where he's going to flourish. Yeah, 237 WRC+. plus. That's wild. Right. Insane. But to get back to the game, so Mark Vientos played hero in the seventh inning, but then another kid, the bomb the ninth, wanted to show up his friend just a little bit. Francisco Alvarez hit a game-tying three-run home run off of Jason Adam, who has had a... He had a good year last year. He's been off to a good start this year. But, man, he hung – I forget if it was a curveball or a slider, but he hung that so bad right down the middle. Alvarez crushed it to the, off the second deck scoreboard. It was an absolute bomb. I could be wrong, but I think he's also the guy that gave up a huge home run to Rizzo. I could be wrong on that, but I think he also, like, blew the game for the Rays, like – the series that just happened, too. Right, right. And then from there, you know, extra innings, runner on second, uh, Rays scored two in the top of the uh, top of the tenth, excuse me. It was looking a little bleak, but then Pete Alonzo, when you need him most, it's a walk-off three-run home run as the Mets won this game 8-7. What a game, first of all. And I talked about this... I want to say, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, like a week, two weeks ago that this team didn't have an identity. Yes. That by this time last year, you had the 7-1 comeback against the Phillies. You had the combined no-hitter against the Phillies. You had the comeback against the Cardinals and just another handful of team-defining They didn't have the World Series DVD games. Yeah, that, that's exactly. like the best way I can put it. Like, yeah, you, you, they didn't have a game where you're gonna look back on the season and remember that game. I remember, yeah. This this was that game. This game was huge for them. This I think can define because it's just happened. So I'm not gonna call anything the way it is. But this game 
if this what turns them around, you can look back and a couple months from now and you can point to this game for being the turning point. This was an absolute fantastic win. It, without a doubt, the best win of the season. And I will... And look, oh, sorry. No, sorry. I, one last thing. Go ahead. They hit three home runs. Whether you like it or not, this game is built off of home runs. Take that, Joey from Queens. Um, no, but... Oh. Damn. I lost my train of thought now. Oh, I will say this. After that game happened, I was like, okay, that is awesome for the Mets. Great win. But if they lost today, I think that would have meant nothing. I agree. I agree. Which, I guess we'll get right into game three, where Tyler McGill was on the mound, and he looked pretty good. He, I think Tyler McGill is essentially your seventh starter in your depth chart, and he gave you six strong innings. He went six innings, four hits, two earned runs, one walk, and four strikeouts against an extremely good Rays lineup. And the Mets offense kind of backed him up a little bit. Uh, He let up a run in the top of the first, but they tied it bottom of the first of a Beatty RBI ground out. Alonzo again with another home run put the Mets up 2-1. Rays ended up tying it on a Josh Lowe home run, but my Favorite guy, Tommy Pham, with a little dribbler up the line to score the game-winning run as the Mets won 3-2. to two. Like you just said, Justin, Game 2's win was fantastic, but they needed to win today, and that's exactly what they did. No. I think it was huge, huge win, a huge series win against the best team in baseball. I couldn't be happier. After watching dreadful baseball for about two weeks, I'd say, Mets win a series against one of the better teams in the league. Couldn't be happier. And I think you, you guys, you, you go well. I, I just said they needed it. Uh, no, they I was going to say, I think that they really, one thing that's not being talked about enough is how not, a lot of people think the Rays bullpen is a lot better than it is. And I think the Mets did a really good job of exploiting it. Like, I just did, like, some quick numbers. They're 14th best. Yeah, 14th best in ERA. They have the 24th rated FIP in baseball. So their wow. bullpen has just not been pitching well. So I think the Mets did a very good job of exploiting that. I know I was shocked when I saw those numbers, too. I thought they had, like, such a good bullpen. But, like, I was, I'm looking on fan graphs. Their bullpen's not that good. That's weird. They usually have, like... That's top five. That's all, open I felt like that was yeah. part of like why they were so good because their bullpen. But like now, look back at the Yankee series. Look what they did. They got the starters out, just killed the bullpen. That's what the Mets did. So it's really been their offense. Yeah, their offense, their offense is, is the reason why they're so good. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'm thinking yeah, also like I mean, obviously the offense, but it's the Rays always got the pitching. Yeah, looking at the this because obviously you know interdivisional game. I'm not looking at the Rays all the time, but each guy has an OPS over 900. And like, what Taylor Walls? You can't explain that. Where did he that come to me. from? Five hitter in baseball somehow. Exactly, and you know Josh Lowe's having a breakout, se- or Lowe or Lau, whichever one it is, is having a breakout season. Just each guy is an extremely tough out, and that's why I was so impressed by Sanga's start because I know the Rays are a patient team, and if Sanga struggled with control, 
that start could have gone extremely different. Looking at expected FIP, they're even lower. They're 29th. So all the underlying numbers say that's, yeah. That great. The Rays really all that good? Or is that is that where we're getting at right now? Are the Rays? I'm just saying their bullpen is. I think they're a t they're not as good as their record shows, just because I think that pace for any baseball team is unsustainable. I think yeah. they're a very good team, but I like they're definitely a hundred win team, hundred and five win team at their best. But who knows? I'm not going to be calling them out because they're the best five. team in baseball right now. Well, I'm saying at their I think best. Hundred and five is a reach. That's a reach. Well, I'm saying at their best, if maybe they keep up some of this magic. I think at their right. best, they're a ninety five win team. Okay. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, look, their their starting pitching has taken a hit. Yeah, and even that's an understatement. You know, Jeffrey Springs, Drew Mathmusen. Yeah, who who knows when Tyler Glass now is getting back and how long he's going to stay healthy? Like, I don't I know if like he can. The, I feel ride like Glassnow's name is always in there, but he's never on the mound. Glassnow's just. Yeah, he's always. There. I feel like he's Chris Sale. Like almost like. Yeah. You know what I mean. Kinda. We're like, he's about to be back, and then bye. He's back for, like, a month, back. and then bye, and then... Yeah. Right. But he, arguably, when he's on the mound, in my oh. opinion, could be a top top 10 pitcher before. His stuff is some Definitely. of the nastiest, like, he'll... It's when horrible. he's healthy, he goes eight, nine innings. When his stuff's right. on, it's just... Definitely. Definitely. I, you, know, you know what, Nick? You're... Unfortunately, you are outnumbered here, three to one. But I'm still confident in the Mets. I'm confident in the Mets. Make run again this year. They need a bat so desperately, though. I agree. They needed a bat over the off season. Could not lock down Correa. Honestly, now was right. that the bat that they could have used? Probably not. He hasn't been that yeah. great this year. Mm -hmm. I think Cohen really. And Epler really need to get the gears going and get on the on the phones and and, and make something happen. Uh, Cohen is known for making things happen. Yep. I think it, you can wait and see with Gary Sanchez, I guess. You know. Yeah. Maybe maybe you get something out of him. Maybe you don't. You know, it, it doesn't. It's not the end of the world. You got him for an absolute bargain, but minor league deal. Yeah. But need a bat so bad they really do and honestly it can come from anywhere i they could get it they can plug it plug a bat anywhere in their lineup that they need any any position honestly they they just need somebody they need to make a move i agree i agree and i don't think as much as i was advocating for Beatty to be called up for even vientos to be called up I don't want to rely on these kids to bring the power and the bat that they need. As many other Mets fans are calling for Ronnie Mauricio to be called up when the guy doesn't walk and the guy strikes out a lot and relying on that would be four rookies in the lineup. Even three is pushing it because you're playing Alvarez as much as you are. But no, I totally agree. They need a bat and the, this trade line... Tra this trade deadline, I know we're in May. We're still uh, basically two months, three months away. But if they're still in contention, they need to make a move. You stole my you know, talking point. I was just about to say that. 
80 Vientos Alvarez. Um, what am I missing that you just. Not Mauricio. Ronnie Mauricio. Um, Vientos, Spady, Alvarez. I think you got all three. Yeah. All right, all right. So you said if they had called them up. Yeah, they. If, you know, yeah. Um, those guys should be like complementary pieces. Should Their development should not like be. Um, what am I trying to say? development their developmental process should not be the fate of the Mets season that it's just yep. the, the it's not good they those guys should be they should have guys around they can develop easier instead of lying on Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez to do a lot of work on offense which you want them to do but instantly right away that's a yeah. lot to ask for to have a Definitely. Pete Alonso, Aaron Judge rookie year, that's just like so. There's a reason why people are freaking out when they had those years because those are so unheard of and so far and few between that people right. gotta realize like, yeah, they're high prospects, but how many of high prospects actually pan out? And part of that is because they don't get developed the right way. Let them develop, let them become the player they are, and don't put all the pressure of them having to be the guys on them rookie year. I agree. I definitely think that Steve Cohen will go out and add a big bat, especially considering they had Carlos Correa in the lineup, and then it got taken away from them, and then once you look at their lineup, it's like, how did this lineup get better from last year? They just yeah. added, added prospects. I think right, that they, they definitely like, did get... They got screwed by that, I think. Because they're like, oh, we have Correa for a month, and then... No, I think not signing Correa was the right move, but it's like Okay, we could pencil in Kraya for a month. Then Kraya, oh, Kraya's not on the team. Who's on the market? No one. No one. And like Tommy Fam. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fam. Fam. One thing I wanted to say that's really been hurting them: base running. Yeah. Base running has been awful, man. Oh I agree. my god. Takes so many outs on the bases. It's just unacceptable. Yeah. Acceptable. The third base coach is probably a little aggressive. Uh, he's been sending a couple guys when they probably shouldn't be trying to score. But, no, I agree. I think the past, again, this past two weeks, whatever, where they're playing this really bad brand of baseball, this not Buckshaw Walter brand of baseball, they're making mental mistakes. They're making – they're not doing the little things. And that's kind of needed. This, these last two games are kind of where they put it together, and they did the little things. They took the walks, they worked the counts, and they hit home runs, which they have been lacking. So I think you add in the home run ball with those little things, and you got a much better-looking team than you did a couple weeks ago. And I will say yeah. the thing about the home run ball, like we said, you can't rely on rookies. Take out obviously you can't take them out, but if you take out the rookie home runs, you only have one from a veteran. So you just exactly. gotta hope like the rookies will have their home runs, but other guys like Marte, Lindor can also start picking it up because they have some pop with them. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's another thing. Marte needs to step it up. Uh, Marcana, who he's not a star, but he still needs to pick things up. He should Lindor be. is still having or a not, not weird I thought, year. I thought you said Nemo. No. N- Nemo's been all right. Nemo's been streaky. Hmm. That's his issue. He's been really hot, and then he goes like 0 for 20, and then he'll go like 12 for 20 the next week. He's been streaky. My one silver lining is this lineup has yet to get hot. 
Ev- everyone's streaky at different times. Once everything starts clicking, you'll start seeing things like you saw in this series where they're scoring consistently and they're getting back into the game and they're not going to be out three runs. Yeah, no, I definitely think that will happen soon Like with the, the amount of talent that they have in this lineup. Nemo and Alonzo have really been the only guys that have actually like, performed up to their level. I think Marte will start to pick it up. He's been horrific. Yeah. Lindor and he's been McNeil. he's been brutal. Yeah. Lindor yeah, McNeil, I think yeah. will regress to their normal selves. So once those two start hitting and then assuming Alonzo and Nemo are continue to do what they're doing. Right. Uh, we'll right. Definitely. You, definitely. You gotta think it's just injuries with Marte though. Just because like there's so many different things you're hearing that are wrong with him. And like he's historically a very good hitter. And, like, even there was a thing I was saying, like, his base running is not close, and, like, speed is not close to what he usually is. So, like, if there's yeah. so many different so it's issues. like, 34 now, right? Yeah. yeah. So, 34. it's, like, 34 percentile after being, like, se- low 70s. He's 34 years, years old, though. He's 34 years old, though. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you, si- you signed him to a four-year contract going, and he's already kind of on right? the wrong side of this 30. This year, one more? He's on the wrong two side more of 30. this year. I didn't. I didn't like that contract from the beginning. I liked it for last year and this year. Right. Back half, I was like, mm. and yeah, last definitely. year he was great, and then this year I was like, you know, I think Marte is a big part of this team again. He is. And just he started to he started to regress a lot earlier than I anticipated. Um, and definitely. hopefully it's hopefully for the Mets' sake, it's just. Uh, you know, he's just kind of off to a slow start, and it's not an actual, you know, I'm getting older, right? And definitely, I'm really regressing yeah. here. He was, he's been a really, really solid ball player for them and his whole career. But you know, it's what happens. Yep. Um, definitely a guy that needs to start turning it around. He's got a negative WAR right now. That's yeah. just that. It's not going to cut it. Not going to cut no. it. No, and to your point, in not. Buck Showalter's ideal lineup, he's the two-hole hitter. So you're pretty much yeah. taking out the two-hole hitter in that lineup. That does a lot. Like, right. that changes I mean, everything. He went down in, what was it, August of last year, September of last year, and that's when the season just spiraled. You know, that's when they got swept by the Cubs at home. They didn't win against the Braves. And even in the wild card, you know, he was still playing with basically a fractured hand. And we all know what happened there. So as much as he may not look like it, Marte is a big part of this team. He's a big piece of this lineup who needs to get it going. Yeah, no, just like looking at just looking at his base of Savon page right now. Defense is bad. Six six percentile outs above average. The speed's gone, forty third percentile, thirty eighth percentile X World Bugs. Yeah, everything's not looking good. A lot of a lot of Everything. dark blue. Yeah, which is what you don't want to see. But look, let's not dwell on the bad too much because this 92nd was percentile a series. There you go. His arm's still good. No, ninety second. Gotta ride the momentum after this. Definitely. Series. Gotta ride Definitely. the momentum. If they don't, if they can't carry this, who they, who are they playing next? That, do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, they're playing the Cleveland Guardians next, which I okay. think is a, team, a decent matchup. I think so too. I think they match up well. Um, 
team that they can definitely be. A team that I still think can win that AL Central, but is still kind of finding their way. That's a perfect opportunity for the Mets to get going. You just took down the best team in baseball. Let's take down another solid team, but nowhere near the magnitude of the Rays. So let's get going right, right now. Yeah. Right. And perfectly said, we'll get into looking ahead to that Guardian series. Game one, like I said earlier, Carlos Carrasco is making his return. He's going up against Cal Quantrill. He's had a decent season. He's kind of been an average pitcher for his career. But game two is where I'm really looking, and that's with Max Scherzer, who came back, not came back, but he had a start in Washington after being scratched due to neck spasms. He looked pretty good, went five innings, but we talk, we talk, we can talk about the offense all we want, but this team is probably relying on Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. And Justin Verlander has had his hiccups like this race series, but he's just getting back from injury. Max Scherzer needs to get it going. I, you know, this has been this has been their recipe, one-two punch at the top of the rotation, and it didn't work last year. Um, was Degrom. Unfortunately, it has not worked again this year. Right. Oh, so, um, Verlander. Verlander. A. I think he still needs to uh, get into a groove. It's like a. It's kind of like a delayed spring training for him. It feels like you know. Um, I think those two guys though are gonna be fine. Urzer though, on the other hand. Still think he's gonna be fine. I'm just a. I'm very like surprised, very surprised in how he's pitched so far this year. There's been some games where he's just. It just doesn't look like it's Max Scherzer out there. Yeah, no, definitely. And you know, it's hard to think. You know, is just is this age? Is this the Max Scherzer aggression? Because you know his velocity's been down, his spin rate's been down. You can point to all these things, but. I do think he'll be fine. I don't think he's going to be the Max Scherzer you paid him to be, but I still think he's going to be a very solid pitcher. I think he just needs to get into an actual routine. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's been so like mismatched throughout this entire season so far. He hasn't been able to settle down and settle into his rotation spot. And it's weird because he still has like his Max Scherzer like antics. Like in the past, how just like the whole like Mad Max thing, and it's just not the same. And it's like we. Obviously, like, there's a lot of things you could point to, but it's just weird to see as a baseball fan of something you've seen work for so many years and then just it being different. Obviously, like, there's many different things you could, like, attribute to it. But to see, like, that him still have, like, the intensity and it just not be able to produce the prior results is just kind of wild to see. Definitely. Definitely. It is sad. To me, it's more sad than it is wild. A guy that was just... What was it? Oh my god, a seven straight time All Star, a seven 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 time All Star, consecutively, in you know one of my favorite pitchers. Growing up, watching him, you know, um, five ERA on this season. Yeah. Oh man, but I think you got to trust Mad Max. I uh, let me ask you, Nick, where do you you said finding his role in the rotation, right? Yeah. Where where do you see his role? Is he the ace, or 
do we have this like dual ace dynamic with the with the Mets? Because last year I felt like Degrom was the the ace because I mean Scherzer was the ace because Degrom was out for a while, yeah. and when he came when Degrom came back, kind of like had this dual effect again. But Scherzer had pitched like a majority of the year that I was like Scherzer is the Mets guy. So who do you see as the ace for the Mets? Right now, I think it's going to be Justin Verlander. I have a little more faith in Justin Verlander because, you know, this might be unorthodox, but because he's, what, now two years removed from Tommy John, I have a little more faith in him. I think that not necess- I'm not saying he's going to pitch for, you know, years on end, but, you know, he didn't really pitch in – he didn't pitch in 21. He barely pitched in 20, I think, and came back last year, won the Cy Young. I think if you treat him right and you allow him to settle in and give him a good resting regimen, I think he is the ace and it's not really a question. I think yeah. Max Scherzer is going to be good. I don't think Max Scherzer is going to be the Mad Max that the Mets signed him to be. But I still think he's going to be solid. But Justin Verlander is going to be your guy. Yeah, I completely agree. Sure, I mean, Verlander's coming off of Cy Young. And Scherzer, what we saw in the playoffs last year, what we've seen this year, is sad to say, like, he's not an ace anymore until he right. proves like he could pitch like one and that's exactly and then exactly. i picked sure as it'll win cy young i'll i'll admit i did but that's a pretty bad pick i think i'll pick right. it up you know i um, do it i do so as well i was just gonna so. something to add to your point about like the two years from ac or from uh tommy john i don't know how it is in baseball but i know in football there's like a lot of research done that like two years out like the year after people come back from tearing their acl they're like kind of like eh, because it still bothers them a little bit they may not have like the same production maybe something mentally but the second year is really when they like take off and they're a lot different so i don't know how much of that can be transferred into baseball but i know that's like a big thing in football it really depends yeah that motion that you you make with your arm is I would say a lot more repetitive than motions that you're making your ACL. Okay. Honestly. I get what because you mean. Yeah. Also, you have external force that you are holding, or not a force, an object you're holding that you need to create power behind it. Like you need to use that. You need to use your entire body, at least with your, with your knees. Um, you're not trying to I'm trying to say here you're just trying to pinpoint the repetitiveness mm. of that motion all about the wear and tear because for pitchers that's what you do you just wear and tear that arm you you mm. mold it so I don't know, that's a good one, Alonzo. Yeah, I, I thought I had something going, and then and then, you know, you're making me. Because I I feel like it could go like both ways, where it's like, because I feel like Tommy John is like the ACL, like baseball, football, 
kind of, not necessarily a one to one, but the closest that can be. So I'm cur- I'm curious if there is maybe Achilles. Achilles, mm. okay. The Achilles. Okay. Because I think over the years with the ACL, I think rehab for ACL has definitely gotten like mm. enhanced. There's I, some I feel weird like we stuff. see guys coming back a lot faster from ACL injuries. Have you? It se- doesn't seem like a a full season injury used to be automatically every single time as it you know tommy john is still like months no. people it's not harper is just a, that was a complete exception he's no. a position yeah. player and Bryce Harper's just Bryce Harper's. <laughs> chris <laughs> sale saying that he's making us look what did he say he's making us look he bad said or that? He's us... something a, a, along those lines in terms of but it wasn't in that way. It was it was more of in regards of fast Harper had uh, recovered from the injury. Mm-hmm. Time. It's like you're, you're pitching. Mm-hmm. Hitting. A lot, a lot different kind of right. stress. Was it Hicks or that Didi? Ligament. That was Didi, right? That the same thing happened with? Hicks I and Didi both had Tommy John. Yeah. I think Hicks came back a little bit quicker. Mm. Um, Otani also back hitting after Tommy John. Oh, yeah, God, he got Tommy that's John. True. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Glaber, when he was in the minors with the Yankees, yeah. got Tommy John. No. Yankees had three guys with Tommy John that were not pitchers. <sighs> that's crazy. <laughs> but going back to your question, I suppose, I think Tommy John is one of the most, like, case-to-case injuries you can have is it all depends on the person. Like, you look at Justin Verlander, he came back, won the Cy Young. Look at Noah Syndergaard. He had Tommy John, and he's throwing 92 <clears throat> at best. That's how your body, rea- body reacts. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it all really, it just depends on the person. Mm. But, it's almost like know, a coin Ver- flip. Almost, yeah. yeah. But Verlander, Verlander came back strong. Flop. He oh, could have yeah. been a complete flop. He could have been a complete flop. And he wasn't. Yeah. It's, it's, you know. I feel like he's an anomaly. Honestly, when you really think about all the stuff that was against him, I feel like that just has to be his body just being so different in a way. Because with how old he was and just all that wear and tear on the arm, to be able to come back, win the Cy Young, and we don't even know what he's doing this year. He could go on that pitch. If he pitches below a sub-3 ERA, I think that will be, like, one of the craziest storylines. Just when you really, like think about it definitely definitely do you how truly dominant been for the almost the 20 years that he's played no it it separates him and it puts him in that category maybe even above some of those all-time names because that he's, he's truly one had, of the greats really is he, he really really is and he's He's fine wine. He's literally fine wine. That's been it, it. It's been his label. I hate draft Nick Mark, it. but it's perfect. <laughs> it it it, yeah. I think that kind of puts it perfectly, and that's why I have a little more faith in him. You know, but you know, and speaking of Verlander, he's starting the last game of the series up against Shane Bieber, so that should be a pretty good pitching matchup on Sunday Night Baseball. But. Like, I think Justin Verlander is going to be your guy, but Max Scherzer still needs to get it going. Mm. Verlander is going to be 
rough start. That suspension was like, yeah, that was really put a wrench into things. It's it it, it was tough. It's like wow, that's a, that's just a drag, <laughs> you know. Yes, and we're not definitely. even talking about how there was like what two minor league pitchers for the Mets that yeah. got ejected. Like what? Yeah, the past two days. Dylan Bundy, who's a journeyman at this That's point. That's wild. I did not yeah, know he was he, with the Mets. Yeah, he signed a minor league contract, and his ERA is over like 10. So he's not faring well. Oh. So might as well cheat at that point. <laughs> and then another reliever got suspended uh, today. So I don't know what's going Didn't on there. Didn't he get like but... booted before he even threw a pitch? I wasn't sure. I I saw he got suspended. I wasn't okay. sure. The exact I'm pretty story. sure it was like he like came into the game right as he came in. The umpire checked and like ejected him before he even threw a pitch. <laughs> so funny. he didn't even didn't even get a chance to cheat. But no, I think this this series that the Mets just won can be a season changer. It's definitely a momentum shift right now, and like you said, Will, they got to keep the momentum going. Great opportunity ahead of them. They Definitely. they can do it. Cleveland Cleveland is not. I'm not saying that it's going to be an easy series for them because they they're always a scrappy team. Um. Yeah, it's a, it's a winnable series. It is a winnable Definitely. series, and they have to keep that same momentum that they had in the Rays series. Definitely. Just they got to keep it going. Yeah. No. But. That's all I got. So if you guys got anything else to add. I got something. Yeah. So if you saw that, I was like twirling a marker around. Did I tell you I was going to do this, Nick? No, but I caught, I caught, caught on. on. So yeah. we Watch have you do that the whole logo. time. Oh, we have our logo here. And if you could tell right here, our roommate signed his name because he was on the podcast. I'm going to forge your signatures. Just choose where. Hey, guys. Um... No pressure. On the top right of the base, on the right. Of the what? Well, that's why I was going. Good pick, Drew. That's oh, a great right. pick. That's a great pick. Top right of the base, not not the one that signed the other base. Like you can just put an A and an M. Like right here. There you go. You're not. There you go. Just put A M in cursive. Even though that's not my signature. It is now. I'm forgetting how to do a capital A in cursive. I'm so stupid. It's oh my God. isn't it just like a old angel logo? Yeah, basically. It is now a writing podcast. Today we'll be learning the letter A. Alright, that that's more like an N, but I don't care. It's like really bad. I can't even see it. it whatever. It's good enough. A W T right next to. I'm gonna give you a what's it called? Like an interlocking one. Sure. Oh my god. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. The Triborough Podcast. So what are you guys gonna do for us? You got our logo. You're there forever. You're there forever. You're there forever. (laughs) Come up with something, man. Come up with something big. Now Nick, I have nothing else. You have nothing else? Well, First off, I just want to thank you guys for spending time with guys. us today. Thanks for having us. Great. Yeah. It's very, so thank you for doing this very late. Thank you. Yeah. 
This may or may not be recording at 12.30 in the morning, yes. but that's okay. That's okay. Then I there you go. There's never a bad time to record and talk about baseball. Oh, yeah. Never. Amen. Amen. There's never a time that's not necessary. Exactly. Exactly. But glad we could all come on and be in good spirits about our team. Yeah, yeah definitely. 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 A week or two ago, definitely wouldn't have been a Yeah, this would have been a... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. The Mets decided a good time to win a series. Same, the Yankees say. decided to start hitting well recently, too. Ball in New York right now. Exactly. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's but, keep the good times going, you know? Yeah. And with that, thank you guys for listening and watching. Remember to follow us and free baseball. Don't forget. Thank you guys again for coming on. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify, but without further ado, thanks, and we'll see you in the next one.